Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. For this episode of Dog Save the People, we are featuring a conversation hosted by our West Coast correspondents, Ellen Belandante and Lindsay Bird of Deity Animal Rescue in Los Angeles. Previously, they had spoken to Peter Filipakos during his wonderful episode earlier in the year. We are happy to be bringing back their powerful voices to our show. Before we dive into this episode, I'm going to speak with Lindsay about today's guest. Hey, Lindsay, how are you doing today? Hey, John, we're doing great. We're here at Deity Animal Rescue in Los Angeles, and we're so excited about this episode. Great. So tell me about today's guest, who I understand is an L.A. County firefighter. Yes, his name is Jake Wendell. He is a firefighter, and he has brought Echo into his fire station. Echo is a comfort dog who kind of gives all of these firefighters an opportunity to let their guards down and talk about emotions. It's something that we don't really realize as part of the community that firefighters deal with PTSD. They grieve. They see a lot of terrible things on a regular basis. And having a dog around really lightens the mood and gives them an opportunity to smile in the middle of their rough day. Terrific. I love it. I'm really looking forward to having our audience hear this conversation. Should we go ahead and dive into it? Let's do it. Perfect. Here it is. Jake, thanks for being here with us today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about our story. Oh, me too. And talk about dogs, which is my favorite thing. Oh, mine as well. Perfect. So to start off, tell me about the dogs in your life. You and your wife have a dog at home named Ginger. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about her? Yeah, Ginger's our our personal dog at home. We've had her for a a little under four years. Her mother was actually rescued from a high kill shelter. I'm a huge dog rescue guy and all about the rescues. Um, my wife had uh, at that time just moved in with me. We were still dating and she has actually never had a dog. You know, I thought that something very important for a first time dog owner is to go through the puppy phase. That really helps you appreciate and form that bond with, with a dog. She's a German Shepherd mix, so she's about oh. 75, 80 pounds. Oh, amazing. And she's uh, got red fur. That's why her name's Ginger. Beautiful. So Ginger is both you and your wife's dog. Correct, yes. I love it. Now, your newest addition, who you share with coworkers in the fire department, is Echo. She's a professionally trained therapy dog there. So what kind of breed is Echo? Uh, she is a yellow lab. Uh, gorgeous. And about how old do you think she is? She's uh, three and a half. And so leading up to Echo's arrival, what role did dogs play in the fire department through your experience? I've been a fireman for eight years now, and at my old station that I used to work at, found myself fostering a lot of dogs that I found in our local district. Came across a lot of dogs in need, whether or not they were in bad homes or they were just strays on the street. When I would foster these dogs, I would bring them to the station with me and kind of... um, Keep them on the down low, but also, you know, let the guys, you know, like, hey, there's a dog here. We're fostering him. We're trying to find him a new good home. And uh, it was a pretty busy firehouse. But the one thing that was the constant is that when we had the dogs there, everybody was coming into our living area and, you know, playing with the dog and, and joking and laughing. I started to see, you know, how the dogs make a huge impact to um, the morale and the, uh, the crew continuity and just kind of allowed everybody to have an escape. We would work 24 hours straight. And a lot of time that would meant we would be up all night. And so in the morning, sometimes, you know, at shift change, guys would kind of come in and out, but you wouldn't see everybody. And when I had the dogs there, 
everybody would come in the kitchen in the morning and we'd have you know, almost 20 guys between the shift coming off and the shift coming on. Oh, so the dog served as a way to bring all of you guys together. Right. And laughing and joking and playing with the dogs and going out back and throwing the ball for the dogs in the morning. And I really started to see this kind of morale change in the guys where they were excited when the, when the dogs were there and guys were talking and joking and guys were opening up more. When they're able to pet a dog or just have a dog there, it makes them feel more comfortable. Got it. I can totally relate to that. I mean, when I'm walking my dog Atticus on the street, it really invites people to come up to me and ask about him. So I can absolutely see how having a dog around would break down those barriers of conversation and kind of break the ice. So after seeing the impact dogs had on your fellow firefighters, you wanted to get a dog as a more permanent presence in the fire station rather than the fosters who just come in and out. But I know that was kind of tough to get uh, the fire department to consider having a dog like Echo regularly. So can you tell me a little bit about that process? They had taken dogs out of the fire stations about 10 years ago where we don't have those like quote unquote firehouse dogs anymore. And so what ended up happening is I got the support from my supervisors to do that. I was able to uh, kind of bring the idea forward of having these these comfort dogs and having therapy dogs that we would be able to bring out to incidents. Okay, so what exactly is the peer team and how do you all work together to benefit the firefighters? It's firefighters that have gone through a little bit of extra training um, and just kind of identifying and really just being able to have a conversation And then the other thing that we have is we have the resources. So we know that we have mental health professionals or we have treatment centers for drug and alcohol or we have whatever it might be, chaplains and pastor services. So whatever those things might be. And we are just kind of the keeper of of the resources. So we know all the options out there. One of the things that really got me pushing this was two years ago, the IAFF, which is the International Association of Firefighters, they produced a study and it said that in the year of 2018, more firefighters died from suicide than died from line of duty deaths um, that actually died on the fire line. Um, And that was the first time that we ever really had uh, written proof that there is a mental health crisis. People aren't asking for help. We're in a severe time where, where we need to do something different. It took about three and a half years to kind of get all the approvals and find the right organization to get us to donate us a, a, you know, a fully trained service dog. So it never occurred to me that there would be such a emotional crisis for firemen, but it makes sense considering all of the things that you see on a daily basis. But there is such a taboo, especially among men to admit needing mental health support. Is that something that you also experience in the fire station? There is a bit of a tide changing, you know, both in, in the fire department, in the police department, in the military where understanding that mental health is an injury and a, and a mental health crisis is actually a brain injury just like it would be if you know if you were to dislocate your knee on a fire you know and that's kind of where we're starting to make a change we're starting to see more and more people reach out for help and admit that they need help Okay, so when you finally get approval from the bosses to bring in a therapy dog to the station, you had to now go and find one. So can you tell me a little bit about the process of finding Echo and her background? She was um, assigned to a uh, Marine veteran that had uh, debilitating PTSD. He had her for about two years, and he was at the point where he wouldn't leave his house. He had cut all ties with his family, wouldn't talk to anybody. He worked with an organization called Patriotic Service Dog Foundation. 
where they paired him up with Echo. Um, and over the year and a half, two years that he had Echo, his life, you know, turned around. Oh, um, gosh, he was yeah. able to connect with family. He was able to um, obtain an amazing job and something, you know, super honorable. One of the most amazing things, you know, not only did he serve our country and, and do all that, but he saw Echo as an amazing figure in his life that he decided that he was so much better off having worked with her that he wanted her to continue working. And he didn't feel like it was fair that he was kind of holding on to her and not letting her continue to work and change lives. Like after she's made all of the progress with him, he knew that her work wasn't done. There were so many more lives that she could touch. Exactly. And so he reached back out to Patriotic Service Dog Foundation and they took her back in. And that's kind of where where my story picks up with her is um, one of our retirees from the fire department. He has passed away and his widow is involved with this foundation. And so they were kind of talking about that, you know, that they should bring people PTSD dogs to the fire department. We spoke and I was able to drive out to their facility and meet Echo and it was love at first sight. It was. Oh, <laughs> amazing. I did about two months of training where I would go out there three to four times a week and train with her and kind of learn. And really it wasn't, you know, she wasn't getting trained. She's already been amazingly trained. It was training me to speak to her. Right. And I'm sure like develop a connection so that you are her new handler. Absolutely. Yeah. Starting to get that bond and get that trust. And then, yeah. And then I was able to, uh, take her home and we still go out pretty regularly and visit and, and continue training, um, and just kind of catching up, but they're, I mean, they're an absolutely amazing foundation. The changes in the lives that they're making for our service members and now for our fire departments and our police members is absolutely amazing. Their head trainer and their owner, it's all ran by a veteran who just saw a need. So what are some of the hurdles that you run into trying to get your fellow firefighters to talk about their emotions? Do you see a dog being beneficial in that specific instance? One of the hardest things we have in the peer support world, in the psychology world with firefighters is, is that tough guy mentality, right? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is, is built into us. In our line of work, you know, we think of ourselves as fixers, where people call us to fix problems. Right. And so whatever the problem might be, if we need 20 more fire engines or if we need a special tool... We will figure out a way to fix something. And so in order for our members to kind of sit back and be like, well, wait, I need the fixing now. I need to be fixed and shut down that macho mentality to play with the dog, to talk sweet nothings to the dog um, and whisper and love them. It's a lot easier to do to them. And then again, like we talked about, they're a lot more likely to now start speaking to me almost through the dog where they don't have to look at me. They don't have to actually accept that they're breaking down to me, but that they're you know, that they're just petting a dog. And yeah, right. the day was rough. We went on a rough call. Having a dog is the fixer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Both of my parents are actually psychologists and they have a dog in their practice that they use, a, you know, a therapy dog that's really just there to be pet. It really helps them with when they see children in their practice. The kids will tell stories to the dogs wow. rather than telling it to an adult. And it really gets the, the kids to open up. She allows me to to come to a station or go out to a big incident where there's a a lot of trauma or tragic things going on. And she allows kind of a a step out of reality where it kind of brings you back to, oh, it's just a dog. So you were kind of born in to being a peer support person with your parents as psychologists. So I love how you saw the way that they use dogs in their practice and were able to relate it to your current life. So with that in mind, what has the impact been like in your own team with having Echo around? 
Echo gets to go to the fire station with me every day. So she's practically part of our crew now. And so with my crew already, uh, we have five people per shift at our house and we have a fire engine and a paramedic unit. Okay. And so a lot of times we, we roll out together and, you know, we're lucky because I'm Echo's handler and Echo gets to be with me. But this is really where I'm trying to push our program is the fact that when we go onto a bad call, whether it's a bad traffic accident or a, a, a call involving a child, when we're kind of all finished and we wrap up and we come back to the station, one of the hardest things is kind of knowing that we all went through this. But nobody wants to break the ice and, and talk about it, right? And we all are kind of sitting in that silent thousand-yard stare of, you know, replaying the call in our head and thinking about things that could have gone better or things that went, you know, didn't go right to plan. But now what happens is, is we come back to the station, and the first thing we do is we swing open that kitchen door, and Echo's standing there wagging her tail, holding a toy in her mouth, and she doesn't know, right? She doesn't know what's going on. She's just she's just stoked that we we decided to come back, right? It's like everybody's back. And so it kind of allows us now to, like I said, kind of have that couple minutes of, okay, Echo's here. Like we're all back to normal. This is, we're back at the station. And it kind of just is that start of kind of rebuilding a little bit. And then that kind of opens up to us to talk about things. And so it's really been a huge game changer for us in the, in the fire department. So Echo's role far surpasses just your fire station. Can you tell me a little bit about how she's involved in the other firefighters' lives? Her and I were both just assigned to the Bobcat Fire, which is a, mm -hmm. a large wildland fire out here in uh, Los Angeles. I mean, the biggest in history over here, right? Right. Yes, it, it is one of the biggest in a long time. I think, it, yeah, I think it might have gotten to the biggest in, wow. in Los Angeles County. And so what we were able to do is while the Bobcat Fire was happening, we had another fire going on just a little kind of east of here called the... Uh, the El Dorado fire mm -hmm. and one of our uh, forest service hotshot members was actually killed on that fire. Oh my gosh. And so when kind of that all happened, they had asked that I bring echo out to the Bobcat fire to kind of just, you know, walk around and talk to guys and see how guys were feeling. The first crew that I ran into was a hotshot crew. They're part of the U S forest service and they are a crew of about 14 to 16 members. They're cutting the fuel out of the fire. Like flammable things like trees. I mean, trees, trees brush. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they cut, they cut these large trails pretty much into the fire and it, it puts a fire break on the hillside. I see, I see. Uh, they are some of the hardest working people out there on the fire line. They work countless hours and they're, they're a tough, you know, roughneck group. And so when I showed up to the Bobcat fire, this specific crew was being taken off the fire because the member that had died on the El Dorado fire used to be part of their crew and he had moved to another crew. And so they were taking them off the fire to allow them to kind of decompress. And again, I work for a completely different fire department than them. But I showed up and I kind of pulled my truck up, opened my back door, and Echo came out. Echo ran right up to them, rolled onto her back, and they just started giving her belly rubs. She was moving around the whole crew. And it was really amazing to see because everybody was coming up to this crew trying to offer their condolences. And again, right. like I said, you know, it's it's a rough, a real close, you know, brotherhood there. And so they didn't really want to talk to anybody. And what Echo allowed me to do was, you know, Echo moved in. She kind of went into their transport vehicle and, you know, they were able to laugh with her. They were able to cry with her. And then that kind of opened the scene for me to kind of, to kind of start talking to them and go, Hey, yeah. So I, you know, I heard what happened. I, you know, I'm, I'm super sorry. You know, how, how are you guys doing? Is, is there anybody that you guys 
on your crew are worried about, um, you know, and it was, but it was all because eye contact is a very scary thing kind of in the psychology and peer support world where people don't want to make eye contact because that, you know, uh, it's that subconscious feeling of you're letting someone into your soul or in your mind. And so the ability for them to pet the dog and look at the dog, but talk to me really opened things up. And that was really the first time where I was, I mean, Echo is an amazing dog. I'm a dog person. I think she's the, you know, one of the best dogs in the world, but that was really the first time where I took a step back and was like, wow, this works. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like you and Echo, since you are her handler, are sort of a bonded pair. She carves the way and it leaves you an opportunity to talk to these people. But what about for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of, one of the hard things is, you know, in peer support, most of the time, I would say a majority of the time, we're talking to people about an incident that we weren't directly involved in. And so one of the hard things is, is that we start taking on extra and we take on more and we hear these traumatic story after traumatic story. I definitely, you know, started to get a little overwhelmed and a little, you know, beaten down of just kind of exhaustion of emotional exhaustion. And Echo is kind of that outlier for me where, um, you know, we have our own like little special thing. Her Echo's rehab is is going to the beach. That's kind Mm -hmm. of her like mental reset. Mm -hmm. And so something, you know, that I love is, is that's kind of like what I have to look forward to. Right. So after we're done with all this, after we handle all of these people and we're able to kind of, you know, help these people through whatever emotions they're going through. I know that, you know, either at the end of the day or tomorrow when, when the shift is over, um, you know, her and I are going to go to the beach and we're going to both kind of take a little, a uh, little silent time and just kind of watch the waves. So her reset has become your reset as well. Absolutely. She's with me 24 um, seven. And that's, you know, a, a lucky benefit that I have is she's on call 24 seven for our fire department. Mm-hmm. So that means everywhere I go, she comes with me, whether I'm working, whether I'm at home. Or if I'm, you know, if I'm doing training for the fire department, she's there with us. I have my alone time at home with her where, you know, it's like, okay, you're, yeah, you're just my pet. Mm -hmm. We're here. We're just going to, you're going to relax. I'm going to relax. But she definitely allows me to kind of decompress as well. And she does the same thing for me that she does for everybody else. I just get it a lot more frequently. So cool. Oh, Jake, that, this has been so awesome. I've been so happy to learn all about Echo. How can we find you on social media or Echo on social media? I think she has her own account, doesn't she? Echo does have her own Instagram. It's um, at Echo the Fire Dog, all one word. And there's a few pictures up. I'm, uh, I'm trying to get better at, at social media. Um, yeah, she needs myself, a PR so, person, it sounds. Yeah, she definitely does. Um, <laughs> So she does have um, her own Instagram and that's the best way to find her um, is at echo the fire dog. Uh, and we kind of post updates and kind of things that are going on and you can see great pictures of her from some incidents that we've been on. And then um, just a, a, you know, a Google search of patriotic service dog foundation. Yes. If anybody's listening and interested in what they're doing or could reap the benefits from the amazing organization, I, I can't give them enough publicity. They are really doing some life-changing stuff there. They sound like an amazing organization and such an awesome resource. Thank you guys so much. I'm really honored to be on this podcast, and uh, thanks for what you're doing. Thank you so much, Jake. Have a great rest of your day. Hey, Lindsay, that was great. I loved hearing about how Jake brought Echo into his department and impacted firefighters all around the area. Thanks, John. It was so insightful to speak with Jake and hear about the trials and tribulations of being a firefighter from his perspective. And the way that having a dog in the station has transformed their lives is so inspiring. 
Totally. I love how Echo has had such an important part of improving the mental health of such important members of our community and helping them tap into their feelings more and have crucial conversations with open dialogue. Definitely. They look out for us, but they also need someone to look out for them too. Hopefully more and more stations get dogs like Echo to help make life better for firefighters everywhere. Lindsay, we're so glad that we get to have you be our West Coast correspondent for this episode and have that local conversation with Jake to learn about his story. I really enjoyed this episode. We're so happy to be sharing important dog stories. Thanks again, John. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lambert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.